It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors. Sean here with you as always. And on today's show, we're going to look ahead to the game against the Utah Jazz tonight. A very depleted and uh, not at all recognizable Utah Jazz team, which continues a recent trend for your Toronto Raptors. Playing teams have been afflicted by injury and COVID. And today's guest, Katie Heindel, is joining me today to talk about that very sort of phenomenon. Does it matter that the Raptors are playing against teams that are incomplete? What can we actually take from this winning streak against said incomplete teams? We will talk about that and the Jazz game coming up tonight, all on today's episode of Locked On Raptors with Katie Heindel. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey. 
What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1092 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, January the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check us out on all your favorite podcast apps for free. You can subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. And you can find us on YouTube also for the low, low price of On The House. Just hit that big red subscribe button, and it's very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. We're pushing your 1,400 subs on the YouTube page. It's a wonderful thing to see. Keep on building those numbers. Uh, and a reminder that it's always a lovely uh, thank you to you to jump on and make us your first listen of the day. That was a clunky way to get that liner in, but that's fine. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out, check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. More on them a little bit later on. But now we begin the show with today's guest, Katie Heindel, who is here to talk about the Utah Jazz game tonight and the serious lack of uh, strength of competition the Raptors have come across over the last week or so. They've rattled off some wins here and are now ahead up above 500. It's all very good, but how much does it matter? We will ask Katie. Katie, how's it going? It's going good. It's it's going pretty good, man. I got to say, uh, I'm just warning you. I noticed every time mm-hmm. I do a show... And like talk, like smile, laugh. I squeeze mm-hmm. my, my AirPods out of my ear. They come, they come out. <laughs> so I'm always like jamming them back in. So like you, I don't know why. Because like the facial muscle, like the muscles I on guess, your face, yeah, are like popping I guess out of your ears. Okay, it, it moving up. I I need to know. You know what? Sound off in the comments. <laughs> this has ever happened to you because i want to know if i just have a messed up kind of anomaly with my bone and muscle structure that's causing that to happen or Mm -hmm. if it happens to other people yeah if there's any uh i is it eye nose and throat uh specialists ear ear, nose and throat specialists those uh doctor the one that mcsteamy is on gray's anatomy uh if there's any of those uh listening (laughs) and you have thoughts, please chime in. If there's any maxillofacial uh, doctors or surgeons out there, let Mm -hmm. us know how the muscles in the face work so we can get to the bottom of this. Mm -hmm. But that's an interesting one, Katie. Did not expect that to be the way we lead off. I was expecting to lead off with just some king cake baby propaganda because our best friend is back. I know he's not involved in the Raptors orbit at all, but he's involved in all of our orbits now. He came back yesterday for his uh, return to the glorious stage that is the time leading up to uh, Mardi Gras. So um any thoughts on the return of my dear friend yeah you texted me an awful picture and i told you i was gonna yeah this one that's how i I gotta find the camera that's that's why i texted to you if you can see that on the camera it's just the the graphic that they posted yeah um (laughs) frankly i'm kind of surprised they don't keep that guy around all year now yeah they should yeah, like they, he's their most prized asset ahead of Zion, frankly. He should be a part of the team more often, I say. But that's, you know, an argument for another day and probably another podcast, frankly. Let's get into it today, <laughs> Katie. Uh, the Toronto Raptors take on the Utah Jazz tonight, looking for their fifth straight win, looking to move to 19 and 17. They uh, are looking pretty good. But again, they continue the sort of run here of playing against teams that are totally depleted. Yesterday, we went back to March 2020 as Rudy Gobert entered the COVID protocols. And the Jazz are very, very afflicted with either COVID or injury or injury. I'm starting to wonder if maybe there is a uh, a bit of reticence to 
pick everything up and move across the border for a single game when you're a team like the Utah Jazz or the Golden State Warriors, where you clearly have bigger ambitions in mind. Uh, so maybe this is the home court advantage the Raptors never knew they were going to have. Isn't that a blast? Um, but either way, Katie, like with this game tonight, again, it's now f- going to be five straight games against incomplete teams with you know important players of the lineup. And in, in the case of the Jazz tonight, let me pull up the available players per Sarah Todd, who does a great job covering the Jazz. These are the players available for them tonight. Trent Forrest, Eric Paschal, Jared Butler, Elijah Hughes, Adoka Azubuke, uh, Malik Fitz, and then 10-day Daniel House is expected to be made official ahead of the game. That is eight players, uh, very few of whom uh, I think most casual NBA fans have ever heard of. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this game tonight, uh, Katie? It's sort of the inverse of that Cavs-Raptors game from about a week and a half ago. Uh, mostly that I hope Mike Conley's doing well. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't begrudge him. If he wants to stay home with his family, uh, that's fine. (laughs) But for the rest Mm -hmm. of them, yeah, this is a pretty sparse roster. Um, You make a good point about teams that are already perhaps depleted because of health and safety uh, protocols, not necessarily wanting to stretch themselves further um, by taking a trip across the border. Though I really think that as like a talking point, it doesn't really wait. All that means is like you got to potentially at the airport, you know, you got to be double mm-hmm. vaccinated. Maybe if you get COVID here, you have to stay, uh, you have to stay isolated. Well, not even 14 days anymore. It's about five. And I bet teams. Yeah, I think that's the concern, right? That's the main way one. to work around that. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think it, I mean, it's good for the Raptors. When you've got Toronto mm-hmm. coming back now, still getting back to full strength and full strength in the sense too of a lot of these guys getting used to playing there again. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't think it's the worst thing to get, give a little bit of a soft, <laughs> a soft reentry mm-hmm. in that sense, right? To get things to kind of get their legs under them. Not that I- um, is looking pretty complete. I'd say OG and Anobi's looking this starting, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, for the season and looks pretty fully formed to be so. They're looking very good together. Mm-hmm. Super intuitive play. Um, it's not the worst thing. But, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of a... <laughs> I don't feel like, oh, it's not competitive enough. Because, wait, yeah. it's January. Yeah. It's January, yeah. It's not January. even. I wish it was February. Yeah. That sounds like maybe a month further away from this current hell. That sounds great. <laughs> well, we'll still be we'll still be in like a, um, a different type of, type of hell then. Um, but I'm sure. Oh yeah, it's just an but evolving I'm, shape that say, the hell takes. <laughs> yeah, say we're just kind of in a slump. Yeah. We're in a slump of winter, uh, January, February. You know, mm-hmm. leading up to the All Star All Star break. So this this kind of stretch is always a little bit touch and go. Yeah, and I will say, like, look, I, I wish the Raptors could play against, like, a real sort of challenging team that would give them sort of a real sort of proof of concept of what their vision is against a team that actually, you know, has their guys and is as they're sort of intended. But I'm also not going to feel bad about the Raptors racking up some wins against some depleted teams because guess what happened last year in Tampa Bay is all of these teams racked up wins against the depleted Raptors 
And it was just the way it was. And so, like, I, I there was only so much you could do about it last year. And you could just sort of hand ring and complain and all of that and say, hey, NBA, cancel these games. And they didn't because that's not what their MO is. And ultimately, now that, that the Raptors are on the other side, it's unfortunate for the other teams that are coming through. But it's also, hey, like kind of a bit of cosmic retribution that I'll gladly take. And the other thing, too, and I think this was this point was made by uh, Twitter user listener to the show. B-Ball Thinking on Twitter pointed out that like this is kind of the preseason the Raptors never really got. Obviously, there was no Pascal Siakam to start the year because he was coming back from shoulder surgery. So they never got to see their full sort of complement of guys from the very beginning. And then they get like four games after the return of Siakam before OG goes down. And they have that whole spell where they're missing guys night in, night out. Obviously, COVID comes after that. Like, this is finally a chance to get these guys some run together. And so, yeah, it, it might not mean that much in terms of like, oh, these last four games tell me that the Raptors are actually a team that's going to win at a 100% win percentage. But I, I do think it's uh, a valuable thing for this team to have going forward as the schedule does toughen up in the coming weeks, as early as next week as the Phoenix Suns come to town. So um, that's kind of where I'm at on that. We are going to pivot from here. There's not much to preview about the Jazz game, if we're being totally honest. I'm sure the pick and roll coverages on Trent Forrest will be very, uh, you know, geared towards stopping him, their best player tonight. But uh, we're going to sort of move this conversation, Katie, and dig into what is real from the four games that we've seen with this healthy roster together, mostly healthy in the case of last Friday's game against the Clippers. But but let's dig into you know what's real, what's not, and what can we actually pry away from these four games to potentially give Raptors fans hope that they could continue on throughout the rest of the season as the schedule presumably toughens up at some point here. We'll get to that in just one second here, Katie. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And if you have not checked it out, you are missing out. I'm telling you, you're going to love this app for NBA and mixed sport. Pick them. And the, uh, there's lots of wonderful things for you to go and check out. They have the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Price Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players and only recording a handful of minutes each game. Imagine a, a, a DFS app where you can put money down on Pascal Siakam and Justin Champagny in the same bet. That is a fantastic Deal. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. All of your users, uh, all of the users that deposit and use the promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match. That promo code to use is just NBA. So you put in 100 bucks, up to 100 bucks, they'll match. Uh, you get a 100% bonus match. So you put in 100 bucks, you get 200 bucks in your account. That's a wonderful deal. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected number. There's no sort of shadow expert behind the scenes setting a roster that's unbeatable it's just you against the projections it and you can do multiple sport entries as well so you can take the over on Joel Embiid combined with the under on Aaron Rodgers or whatever it is you might want to do you can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy and prize picks is safe and offers fast cash withdrawals so go to prizepicks.com today use the promo code NBA on your app store and download the app Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you're not playing prize picks, you honestly don't know what you're missing. 
And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Shopify. Cha-ching, you hear that sound? It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved only for big businesses so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibilities, so why not go on that journey with Shopify? Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. And you can gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash locked.nba, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. That is shopify.com slash locked.nba. Grow your business today with shopify.com slash locked.nba. And we continue on here with Katie Heindel trying to pull some things from the last four games a winning streak for your Toronto Raptors against some pretty depleted teams that actually might mean something as we go forward here. Katie, I'll just throw it to you. Like, What's something for you that you think is going to stick? It can be anything. It can be the Pascal Siakam playmaking. It can be Fred Van Vliet unleashing off-ball doom for any teams that forget to account for him as he's scurrying around the perimeter. It can be a smaller thing like that. It can be that Justin Champagny is here to stay is there anything from the last four games, Katie, that you think really holds tangible meaning for the Raptors as they move forward throughout the rest of the season? Muted. You're muted, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Fred's offensive uh, prowess really coming through. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if this has gone up to after the Bucks game, but prior to the Bucks game, I think he was 48% threes. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. something that's probably going to stick around. Um, I mean, we've got a fair shot at it now that the roster is looking more fulsome and he doesn't have to do absolutely everything. You know, he's mm-hmm. straight up to shoot a lot more uh, and to take those shots, which is great. Uh, I think something I've liked is Scotty Barnes as this like backup point guard role. Uh, I think yeah. that's that's like a fantastic call going forward, especially when you want to look at mismatches um, against, you know, once teams get back to full strength playing the Raptors, they're really going to have to capitalize on mismatches and kind of um, unsettling their opponents that way. So if you've got Scotty Barnes kind of fluidly going between lineups uh, as a point guard, I like that. I also just like that generally for his development overall as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gary, Gary Trent Jr. has been a really great and sort of, you know, um, I don't mean complete surprise like I'm shocked. I mean complete in the kind of player he's shown that he is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like a super sponge uh, who is very intelligent at making the right kind of call as necessarily as the team needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say like OG Ananobi, but like I feel like we don't have enough yet. But I think OG Ananobi just being generally great overall as he was before he was out as the steadiness of this roster. Um, there's a lot of like relief, I think, in them mm-hmm. playing. Like you could see that a bit in Pascal Siakam's game and just like some levity to it. Uh, and it makes sense. Like the comment that you mentioned before of this being sort of the preseason the Raptors never got all together. Um, so I think if they can sort of carry this through, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a reason that it will, you know, touch wood, barring like more health and safety protocols and injuries i think that this can definitely carry through into the rest of the season 
often they can remain kind of a a really like a really scary prospect uh, for a lot of matchups. Yeah, I'm with you. I think in particular, like starting five stuff is where I'm really kind of gleaning my takeaways right now. I think the bench will be fluid and we'll see where certain guys slot in, where Yuta Watanabe and Svima Hailuk fit in once they get back from protocol. Svi's back tonight, it seems, by the way, so that's good. Um, and Utah remains the only guy in the protocols for the Raptors. But with the starters, I mean, I, I do think just sort of watching them play together regardless of who the opponent is, is a win. And you're getting to see sort of how these sort of pieces interlock and connect. And I think that is sort of the, the big value of this stretch of season, like like you mentioned. And like I mentioned earlier, the preseason idea kind of holding up there. I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Fred, because I think if there's anything that is super sustainable from this, it's that Fred should be able to kind of perform at a more efficient offensive level than he even did when he was very efficient and had like a 57 and a half true shooting for most of the season as the team's number one option initiating basically every time down the floor, like that was a very difficult workload that he was pulling off and still had a very efficient season to show for it. And now we're seeing that he doesn't have to do that all the time. Pascal Siakam is finding him with like six open passes a game for wide open threes. And you have Scotty Barnes doing it as well. And it's just a way healthier half-court offense and a way healthier environment for Fred Van Vliet to kind of eat within. Uh, you mentioned his catch-and-shoot numbers on the season. To this point on the year, he's a 51% uh, shooter from catch-and-shoots. He's been 58.3 since the since last uh, over the last four games um, on catch-and-shoots and 34.5 on pull-ups. He's been at 31.5 on pull-ups this season as well. So again, it's a four-game four sample. It's a small sample, but I think you're seeing... You know, even if it's maybe a jump that's a little uh, overzealous and I don't think he's going to be a north to 50 percent catch and shoot guy all season long because that's very, very hard to do. I think the general trend of him ticking up in both his catch and shoot and pull ups because of all the sort of help around him and the lack of an overextended burden on him is really kind of the thing to take away here. So um, that 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 I think should continue if it's you know not 58% on catch and shoots for the rest of the season. That's fine because he's got plenty of wiggle room to still be bloody effective. Um, and, and I think that by extension, I think we're seeing like this playmaking from Siakam. Over the last four games, he's at six and a half assists nearly, uh, just like 0.2 away from team lead actually, uh, where Fred's at six and a half as well. And I think Pascal's at 6.3. You know, do you kind of see this shifting of Siaka maybe being kind of more of the playmaker initiator type on the team. Is that something else you think should continue on here? Obviously, you know, any good, healthy offense does not run entirely through one guy and there are going to be guys who get their shots. You know, OG has been a, I think a perfect sort of complimentary guy. He's going to get his moments to sort of go and cook. But as far as Siakam kind of running things and the offense kind of flowing through him in most ways, like, that's been kind of a newer thing. He's been doing it all season, but not to this extent, I would say, uh, over the last four mm -hmm. games or so. Do you think that sort of uptick in sort of general responsibility for Siakam is something that should stick as well? Yeah, I think if it's something that he continues to show that he's comfortable with doing, um, I would just say there's only one caveat, and that's in the past. It seems like when you load up Pascal Siakam with a little bit too much um, – like too many asks uh, offensively mm -hmm. on the floor. He's not necessarily able to um, orchestrate those, right? So like the, mm -hmm. to, you know, his full potential. Um, and then you start to see things, you know, just even like his finishing and other like little things here and there 
taper off. Um, haven't actually seen that so far with him with like some more of the playmaking running through him. So again, if this is just uh, an improvement in his game and his overall capabilities offensively on the floor this season as a leader, then I think definitely keep that responsibility in his hands because, you know, as we said, it frees up Fred um, on that end as well, which I think is good. It lets like Gary get a little bit more opportunities, Scotty get more opportunities, OG get some opportunities again now that he's back, which is good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, unless it starts, like, again, like, I think unless there starts to be a bit of a, a nosedive and mm-hmm. he looks t- t- a little bit strung out, which he hasn't at all this season, I want to clarify. No. Like, he, <laughs> he he's really not, he doesn't really seem overburdened by anything. Um, so, that's great. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, again, it's really difficult to try and glean what matters from these four games that have happened on this mm-hmm. streak, but... You know, there are things that, you know, I think honestly, this is kind of more where eye test comes in and just sort of like general feel of what it looks like out there. And you can kind of, you know, transpose a good team in the place of the team that you're seeing, you know, the, this version of the Raptors kind of d- dice up. And you can envision how their formula would be successful against a, a team that has more guys available. That said, I'm sure there are some things that are not going to hold up because, you know, better players and better opponents and better defenses are going to prevent those things from holding up. I want to get into some of those things in just a second here, Katie. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at Built Bar, best tasting protein bars in the game. They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There's no better way to help with your New Year's resolution than to bust up the Built Bars. They have a lot of wonderful flavors for you to try out. And if you are like me, trying to wean yourself off the garbage you ate for a couple weeks during the holidays there, then Built Bars are the way to go. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that with a candy bar, which has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And I can tell you, some of those flavors out there of your candy bars are not bringing you any protein whatsoever and well here's an idea for the new year Uh, if you're like me also you have little secret stashes where you keep your junk food why don't you go and clear out those stashes if you haven't already and throw some built bars in there and replace those stashes with something that is indulgent but it's not going to make you feel bad about it and they have lots of wonderful flavors there's a flavor for everybody to find and love and choose so go to built.com to see what's new limited time flavors pop up in there for time to time as well valentine's day is coming up in like a month they will have certainly lots of flavors geared towards valentine's day go to built.com use a promo code and get 15 percent off your order the promo code of course is locked 15 and get 15 percent off at built.com on your next order go do it up wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point and it works everywhere i write Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Your next ardor. I went pirate there a little bit. <laughs> your next ardor. Uh, anyway, Katie, let's continue on here and round out the show want to dig into some things that may or may not be sustainable uh, through these four games. And I think the first thing I want to go to is rebounding, Katie. Um, You know, I think we've seen the concerns about the lack of a 
quote unquote center kind of die down a little bit here in the last few games. Winning will do that. Oh, this roster can win games. Maybe it's fine. Uh, you know, I've been very staunch on this podcast and my sort of like, I think the center position is just fine. You can worry about it at a later date if you need to make an upgrade to go and take on a contender or something like that. But they're not in a position right now where that needs to be a priority because they have 7,000 guys who are playing the three, four or five position on a given night. That's just the way the roster is built. Everybody is a big so who cares? But the thing that I think was sort of a concern for this Raptors team most of the season after a really hot start was defensive rebounding and rebounding in general. Their offensive rebounding, of course, has been a big part of their offense. That's been sort of one of those sneaky ways they've been able to defy some of their sort of uh, underwhelming numbers when it comes to like the half court and specific play types and all of that. They have been able to counteract that with just like killing the offensive boards, winning the possession game and all of that. But the defensive rebounding has not been good for the most part this season. Over the last four games, the Raptors are at a 75.3 defensive rebounding percentage. That is number six in the NBA, Katie. And they are the third best rebounding team overall as their offensive rebounding has hung right where you kind of expect it to be. A 34.7 offensive rebounding percentage, number two in the NBA behind the Grizzlies. They've essentially been number two behind the Grizzlies all season long in that department. So not much change there, but the defensive rebounding very much has changed on the season. Just let me pull up again. Last four games, they are sixth all season long. They come in as the God uh, 29th best defensive rebounding team in the NBA. 69.9%. I had to scroll very far on NBA.com there. Katie, <laughs> is this rebounding uptick? sustainable to you katie and obviously pascal siakam feels like he's kind of intrinsically tied to this considering the rebounding totals he's put up recently that is an interesting one what say you can the raptors keep up this recent rebounding resurgence look at that alliteration i'm so good <laughs> carry on <laughs> uh well i think they're going to have to because this is where a lot of close games are turning around for them mm -hmm. um this is where they're sort of injecting some energy into their offense i think that was missing before granted i will say that like for not having a, a quote-unquote big like you've seen i think like in that bucks game the amount of times you saw gary uh mm -hmm. trent jr get in like get in extremely close in the paint and just like pop up again and again for rebounds you know against like guys twice his size and not getting out muscled um it's pretty impressive right so that's great uh, I think like the defensive rebounding obviously is not great, but I think that speaks a little bit more to like, I don't know, kind of where they're trying to, I guess, focus on right sure. now, which is at the, which is at the offensive end. Um, one thing I will say, and I guess that's, this is why I'm glad there's like a little bit of an uptick and I would like to equate it to this is that mm -hmm. all season long, even before the season started, we've been hearing about, you know, the length, of this team and the capabilities of that, like everybody super tall, super long arms, right? Like really strong, but you haven't actually mm -hmm. seen that bear out uh, in rebounding numbers, which is a little bit strange. You've seen it in other ways, mm -hmm. notably, I think with a lot of passing um, and like kind of like in the pain. And there's some, there were some really nice, there are some really nice sequences, I think with like, um, like strips and steals and like passing and like quick transitions back up the floor on that Bucks game where you did see that length come into like come into account a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I liked it because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is this is what we wanted, you know, from the length. And like, I guess this was what Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster like pictured when they were putting this like very long team together. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd like to see that, though, 
like factor a little bit more into the rebounding because you think it should give them a little bit of a leg up in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. But I like to me also, this just strikes me as they're trying to focus on Nick nurse wants them to focus on one thing at a time, yeah. which is fair. Yeah, totally. I, I think, you know, I mean, the Raptors have gotten by not being a very good rebounding team in recent years, right? They weren't a very good rebounding team in the championship season. They weren't a very good rebounding team in 2019, 20, but their defense was good enough that it was like, oh, we have a ton of margin for error. We can give up some offensive mm -hmm. rebounds because we're probably going to force a miss on that collected miss as well because we're that good. And I don't think the Raptors defense is in that position right now. But I think with some time together, like there's no reason to think that it can't become a little bit more of a sort of haunting defense to play against where they're getting turnovers to kind of offset their lack of rebounding. Like, I don't think they're going to be the number six defensive rebounding team in the NBA all year. You know, again, it's four games and it's not very good teams. The Knicks didn't have either of their starting bigs available. Giannis wasn't playing for the Bucks. Like, there's reasons why they've been able to kind of feast on the boards, I think, in addition to maybe like an own sort of renewed effort on doing that and having all of your big available guys. And honestly, they play pretty big, right? Like, that's, I think, something that maybe is sustainable. We need to see more of a sample of it is like, all four of the guys they're bringing off the bench right now are quote unquote bigs. I know Champagne's like six foot six, and there's like a sort of uh, where do we classify him? Is he a wing? Is he a big? He plays like a big. He's around the basket. He's offensive rebounding. He's playing in those sort of soft spots. Like he plays like a big man. And so they're bringing in all of these guys who maybe none of them on their own are incredible rebounders, although Kem Birch is quite solid. But they're all pretty good, and that is sort of helping them, I think, kind of stay afloat, especially in these second units where everybody on the floor is 6'8 or bigger. Like, it's a little bit easier to rebound and sort of gang rebound it and not have to worry about, okay, who's the center doing the box out and grabbing the – like, everyone just can kind of do it, which is nice. So maybe that is something that is a sign because they're playing bigger. They're not playing Malachi Flynn. You know, Sfima Hailuk seems like he's maybe going to be sort of like a fringy rotation piece flipping back and forth with Yutu Watanabe. With those guys no longer in the picture, everyone on the team is kind of like a like like a plus rebounder. I'm not saying Sphere is not in the picture. Flynn certainly is not. But like everybody out there, except for maybe Boucher, I would say, is a plus rebounder in some regard, which is kind of nice and maybe this is something where they can kind of turn this around now that they're a full strength and maybe it's sort of like a domino effect type thing where you lose one guy and it becomes a little bit more difficult to have that sort of effect on the glass and once you get to full strength it just becomes a little bit more ironclad i don't know i'm just theorizing right now but that is going to be a big one because of course we know that if this raptors team is winning the possession game Good things are going to happen because their offense is performing at a level we did not expect. Like it's been kind of floating around top 10 all season long. And I think you're seeing, if we're going back to things that you can kind of take away, like having five guys who were constantly a threat in that starting five is doing good things. There's tons of space for guys to operate. There's help being sent Siakam's way or OG's way when they're posting up or driving. And that's opening up things for other people. The half court offense feels a little bit more sustainably strong. And if the defensive rebounding clears up, I mean, you're kind of removing a lot of the holes on this team. And again, we'll have to see what they do against better opponents. You know, the, the Pelicans coming through on Sunday, maybe not that sort of ilk of team, but hopefully they're healthy and fully you know, together. So it's a bit of a test. And then, of course, next week, the Suns come through town, which will be a wonderful test for the Raptors in Toronto as well. Katie, any last lingering thoughts here on sort of things that, um, you know, you're keeping your eye on as the Raptors continue forward here, looking to continue their streak tonight and into the weekend? Mainly, I'm just keeping my eye on uh, the nice continuity 
Granted, mm-hmm. as we've said a couple of times, it's been four games, but to have what looks like a pretty solid, um, stable starting lineup again, that feels mm-hmm. great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that uh, feels like a pretty good place to leave this one off. I do just want to actually offer a one parting shot here, Katie. Um, and this has nothing to do with anything we talked about today. It's about All-Star because the first voting returns came in yesterday. Um, look, Fred Van Vliet is better than Derek Rose and Kyrie Irving or whoever the hell is ahead of him voting, obviously. The voting system is flawed. Having fans vote, maybe not the greatest thing in the world. Um, I don't really totally understand like the like the anger that's that Van Vliet is not higher, I guess like he's going to get in probably as a coach's pick. That's probably his only Avenue because there's only two guards that get voted in and DeMar is going to be one. And one of James Harden or Trey young was always going to be the other one voted in. So I don't totally understand the hand wringing. Obviously Fred Van Vliet deserves to be an all-star. We've talked about that on this very podcast before, uh, but like the sort of Toronto Raptors, Twitter meltdown uh, that happens every once in a while around this time of year, Probably not necessary this year because this was never going to be the way by which Van Vliet got into the All-Star game anyway. And also the fan vote counts for like 25% of the actual vote in this round of starters voting. So that was just me wanting to get on my soapbox for one second. Katie, do you have any uh, All-Star takes before we get out of here or do you you not care at all? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I care for Fred because I think it means quite a bit to him. And Mm -hmm. I would actually, you know, uh, to go off what you said, I would actually say... Given the smallish sample size, I'm sure of Raptors fans who voted, smallish sample size in comparison to where a lot of these other votes are coming from for other players, I think mm-hmm. Raptors fans should be pretty happy that Fred got to be where he is. Like, I think to yeah. me that bears out as like, oh, a lot of like p- people in Toronto and Canada, wherever, voted for him. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, like when you consider the fan vote is only 25% in the end, um, that Fred's on that list is great. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's wonderful. And, you know, we, we don't need to sort of like throw our arms up in displeasure at the unfortunate names that appear on those lists every year because they're there every year. It's just the state of the hell world we live in that players who are not deserving of any sort of plaudits get, uh, you know, sixth in, in all-star voting for some reason. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to name any names because that is how you get uh, swarmed on the internet. So we will round out the show here today, Katie. Anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? You had yourself a hell of a week writing. Yeah, and it's still going. Um, but I will promote uh, a, a profile, Jonathan Kaminga. So that's mm-hmm. on Dime. That came out earlier this week. Uh, I also wrote about DeMar DeRozan's full circle kind of journey to where he's at uh, in Chicago, and that's on Real GM. I'll have something coming out about Clay Thompson a little later, and I will also um, – no, you know what? You're just going to have to wait and see. But I'll have something Ooh. very near and dear to Toronto fans' hearts uh, coming out very soon. Ooh, I like the sounds of that. Um, uh, wow, I, I can't even begin to guess what that is. I'm excited. I'm going to ask you off air what it's all about. Uh, you can uh, find me <laughs> – on Twitter, of course, at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, review, tell a friend, all that good stuff. It's so appreciated when you go ahead and do that. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow, actually. I'm going to do a Saturday episode to break down the Jazz game. If it's, look, if it ends up being a game where they win by 70,000 points over a depleted Jazz team, we'll see if I end up doing a, pa- a podcast on Saturday. I want to be totally upfront with you. It might not be totally necessary, but either way, uh, potential podcast tomorrow. And then uh, we'll be back again on Monday, of course, with your usual breakdown of the Pelicans game and a look ahead to the week where the schedule kind of toughens up a little bit for your Toronto 
Raptors. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, all that good stuff and all your apps for free. You can also subscribe on YouTube, which is much appreciated as always. And you can go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling, cutting through all of the noise and confusion of the COVID-stricken era of sports and still helping you win some money. So go and check them out over at Locked On Bets. That'll do it. We'll talk to you again soon with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.